0: Welcome to Out of Curiosity. Consider us your field guide for queer pride. You will hear from the best of the best in terms of queer business leaders, queer relationship experts, the activists working to protect us all, and everyday LGBTQ people that have figured a few things out so you don't have to. Out of Curiosity is brought to you by the Pride and Joy Foundation. Let's do this. back to Out of Curiosity, the podcast for the Pride and Joy Foundation. I am your host, Elena Joy, pronouns she, her. Pride and Joy Foundation is a nonprofit whose mission is to prevent suicide and homelessness in the LGBTQ community. One way we do that is by amplifying the voices of the people on the front lines, opening minds and hearts and moving people along that allyship spectrum. Our guest today, Gracie Purcell, pronouns she/ her, is doing that in a powerful way and she is only 19 years old. Gracie is the president of a nonprofit called Rainbow Collective. They provide support for LGBTQ+ students at the Mormon School in Provo, Utah. As you may know, any student or employee at Brigham Young University that is caught committing homosexual behavior can be kicked out or fired. The consequences of living your truth in that environment are very, very real. We discussed Gracie's coming out story with her parents, her decision to attend BYU, her activism on campus, and even her special love for raising guide dogs. Fam, I'll be straight up with you. This was a way more intense interview for me than I anticipated. As many of you know, I was a believing member of the Mormon Church for several decades, and even pursued conversion therapy in order to stay that way. This is the first time I've interviewed a believing queer Mormon. I truly hope that I was able to show the love and support that I wanted to for this amazing young woman. All right, all right, before I give any more away, let's do this. Welcome to this episode of Out of Curiosity. I am here with Gracie Purcell. Did I say that correctly?
1: yep that's it awesome
0: excellent so glad you are here with us today gracie i met over social media so i did not go to byu but my ex-husband i put him through his whole bachelor's and master's there as well as i now have two kiddos that are students at byu so i'm very much still tied to the university when i was there putting my husband through his degrees i was working for the computer science department So I was a staff member there, yeah, and I got to know a lot of the grad students and got to know how, like, the colleges work, all that kind of good stuff, so that was fun. But I also got it from the staff perspective of, like, the Tuesday devotionals, and every year when we'd have our budgetary meetings, we would talk about how all the funds are tithing and how special that is, and yeah, there's a lot of interesting nuance that goes into BYU, so
1: with that background,
0: you are a sophomore. Is this your second year at BYU?
1: So this is actually my first year, but I'm a, It's kind of. I got my associate's degree in high school, so technically in credits, I'm a junior.
0: Got it. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Now I understand. And what area are you from? Where Where did you come to Provo, Utah from?
1: Um, I lived right outside of Boise, Idaho.
0: Oh,
1: fun. And did you know,
0: growing up, that, like, BYU, that's where you wanted to go? Or was it, like, one of many options? What were your thoughts there?
1: It was, so neither of my parents went to BYU, which is actually really crazy, because most people have, like, some sort of tie to it. But, like, no, like, my parents went to completely different schools, and I never wanted to go to BYU, because I... I kind of was always like, oh, they're kind of like stuck up and they're very Mormon. And I was like, (laughs) that's not for me. (laughs) So I actually never wanted to go there. And I had like, I applied to tons of other schools, um, but ultimately just randomly decided to apply as a transfer student. And now I'm here. Now
0: you are there. (laughs) So let's back up a little bit before that, because I remember in another interview that I read about you, you had come out not at home with your friends and not (laughs) at college with your friends. Where were you when you kind of really had that first, like, I'm going to be vulnerable and share my truth with the world?
1: Yeah, so I was actually in Mexico in a city called Irapuato. It's central Mexico. It's like three hours from Mexico City. And I was teaching English through a volunteer program. So I was with a bunch of strangers that I'd never met before. And we were just teaching English part-time and then traveling the rest.
0: Wow. And was this like more of a Mormon group, or was it, it had nothing to do with the Mormon Church?
1: So it's based on a provost. So a lot of people who do go into this program are my group was pretty split. We had so there was eight of us at the beginning, and four of us were members. Three were exmo, and one had never had any experience with the church.
0: Got it. Okay, so Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be mindful that you and I are gonna use a lot of like our vocabulary.
1: Yeah, sorry.
0: No, no, no. It's so funny because I always get called on it as well. So we're gonna use the phrase exmo a lot in this in this episode, which stands for ex-Mormon. So that's typically someone who has started to deconstruct their faith and and doesn't necessarily identify as a Mormon anymore. They identify as an ex-Mormon. So let's pose the question to you, Gracie, how do you identify?
1: I would say a practicing member, some might say I'm like nuanced, right? Or expansive. Expansive.
0: Okay. You came out in Mexico with people you had only known on this trip. Is that right?
1: Correct. Yeah. How did it go? Yeah. So (laughs) I guess the, the lead up to that is kind of a little bit important to know the context, which is I had planned on coming out to my parents before going to Mexico so that they would have Four months to process. And I was like, if it goes really bad, they have four months, just get over it and we'll we'll be fine by the end. <laughs> but I ended up not. I chickened out because I was like, I don't want to ruin my relationship because I'm I'm headed to a different country. I'm 18. I'm like still kind of young. And so I didn't, but I got there and I wanna say no more than six days. I don't know the exact amount. It was my first weekend there. And I had just met these people and I was like, we were having one of those like late night talks, right? It's like one in the morning and you're, and you're talking and everyone's just saying everything that's coming to mind. And so I was like, like, I said something and they were like, what does that mean? And I came out to two of the girls there and I was like, so nervous. I think I just was like, I kind of like women. And then I just like sat there and in hindsight, like I, I'm like glad it worked out for me because six, like six days in is not a long time. And especially that I would be living in, in this um, like apartment with them. four months we had to do everything together like there was no escape I had no idea how they were gonna react I didn't know them at all so yeah it was kind of crazy but it ended up okay
0: I'm so glad to hear that I'm so (laughs) glad to hear that ended up okay so before we go any further let's get an idea of all the ways that you identify so you came out as a lesbian lesbian okay and as far as gender identity you identify as
1: a woman is this gender yeah okay
0: got it okay so great we've clarified now we can move yes. forward okay that's intense so basically strangers knew before mm-hmm. the people closest to you and it's so funny because when i get parents that come to our our pride and joy parent events they're like my son came out on tiktok before he talked to me his mother and i have to be like that felt the safest you know you were a really yeah. important relationship To come to you with that information is a lot of risk. And so often we're going to practice those conversations with Mm -hmm. people where it's not a lot of risk. And that could be strangers on the internet because we actually don't care what they have to say. We care a lot about what our mom has to say or our dad. Yeah. So how did that go?
1: With my parents or with like my group?
0: Uh, Let's go to your parents because it sounded like everything turned out okay in the end with that group. Yes. Um, Awesome.
1: And so you came home and and I went back into the closet because I came home right before Christmas. And I was like, I mean, I I guess I really wanted to let them into that part of my life, especially since it was so good for my mental health to be out. But I it was really important to me that I continued having a good relationship with them. And I was like, I'm not gonna ruin the holidays. I'm not gonna ruin my relationship with my family. And I will be living here for the next eight months working. So I kind of was like what are the risks of coming out versus not coming out? And and I kind of like, well, I'll just sit on it. We'll wait. It's not any different than the last however many years, right? <laughs> but it turns out once you come out once, uh, it's really hard to go back. Nice. And it's, it's, yeah, it's not the same. It's not, I don't know if it's your tolerance is just lower or what, but um, definitely harder to like live at home and, and go back. And what ultimately led me to come out to them was I had started an Instagram account to kind of like, I don't know, feel some feel like I had some sort of community. And I got asked to be on Richard Osler's uh, Listen, Learn, Love podcast. Yeah. And my cousin who had come out to as well in Mexico, she was like, you have to, you have to tell your parents before you record this. Because if you come out to them later and say, by the way, I have this Instagram I've recorded a podcast in your home without telling you, then they're going to like, it's going to be less about like you coming out and more about how you didn't tell them. Like it's Ugh. going to be super sad. Right. That is a
0: wise cousin. I'm so glad oh, you had that smartest. person in your life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Cause I originally told my parents when I like scheduled it, I told them I was taking an online class. So I was like, listen on this day, like you have to make sure everyone is out of the house or super quiet because I have a test and it, it's recorded. <laughs> and like, and that was believable because I did have yes. tests and I was yeah. taking a class and they were recorded. Um, yeah. but that was my plan. I was that's how I was gonna get away with it without them knowing. But my cousin, yeah, she was like, you have to tell them or else it's gonna make everything way harder than you want it to be. So yeah, one night I just like after I went to mission prep with a friend, <laughs> I grabbed my mom and I said, I-, I just need to tell you something. And I showed her my Instagram and just was like, by the way, I'm gay <laughs> and definitely like. There were lots of tears on her end. She was, I think devastated is probably a good word for it. Like super, super sad. Because for context, my family is very, very like true believing Mormon, like very still in the church, active. So a little bit, I think it shook her and she took a second and didn't really say much. She kind of just like gave me a hug and then said, we need to tell my dad. And I went and told my dad and he said, thanks for sharing. And then we all went to bed because it was like 11 and that was it.
0: Okay <laughs> how are you in that moment? When you went to bed, how
1: are you? A little bit freaking out. I felt very like drained, you know, when they say like vulnerability hangover. like that's that's legit. Yeah, just tired and not sure what was gonna happen next because I still had another six plus months to live with my family. So whatever they decided to do next, like that was a big deal. I want to back
0: up. I agree with you. That was a very yeah. big deal. And I want to back up to you talking about how you realized you needed to speed up the plan of coming out to your family, not just because mm-hmm. of the visibility you were going to have on the podcast, but it sounded like the visibility you created in Mexico for yourself really supported your mental health. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah.
1: No, that's a huge part of it. I, I don't know how to explain it to somebody, except for that when you are hiding something that big and keeping it to yourself like it just weighs on you and it just feels like you're carrying around like a backpack and 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 sometimes like it feels physically but mostly mentally like that's all you can think about that's all you can process and especially for me because I'm a planner this rocked my plan right there what what do you what do you do when you know you have to come out but your your support system might not be your support system anymore And so, yeah, it was super freeing to go to Mexico and have all these people who were like, this isn't a big deal. Like this, I'm so glad you were able to tell us this isn't a big deal. We're happy for you. Um, like, and just super like supportive and embrace me with open arms and then to go back and realize that like, I would have to come out all over again. And the people that actually were closest to me that I actually did care the most about, like they might have a different reaction than what I'm hoping. Right. Yes, absolutely. Wow.
0: I think for me, the part in visibility that really supports my mental health is I feel seen. When I am hiding, that is a huge barrier to my mental wellness. Whereas when I can be seen and feel seen and be accepted as that, like that goes so far into my mental health. And yeah, I can imagine that. So I think there's an aspect to the story that possibly people outside of Mormonism or another high demand religion might not understand, Mm -hmm. which is you have siblings and when you come out to Mormon parents, they are not only thinking about your eternal future and their eternal future with you. Like we are not a religion that is till death do us part. This goes into the eternities because of the temple and the beliefs there and When you have older siblings in the family, there is this cultural weight that is on them to set the standard, to be the example. And that starts like literally when you are an infant and you're being blessed Mm -hmm. by your dad in front of your church family. If you're one of the older siblings, the words that are in that blessing are, we bless you to be strong and to be a strong example for your younger siblings to come. Like that is a, it like embedded into the culture. Oh, yes. Right. And I just started to realize that from a parent perspective, because I have these two older kiddos that are mm-hmm. trying to figure out things with college and mission and stuff. And what I hadn't realized was that part of the weight that was weighing on them was what if I make the wrong choice and my younger sisters see it and they make a wrong choice too. And I'm like, now of course I'm in my own perspective and I'm like, holy crap, honey, you are not their parent. Right. We have parentified you in a really dysfunctional way so that you are taking into account that. with No, no, this is your life. This is your life. Don't live it for your siblings. But that concept is not in the Mormon cultural fabric at all. So what did that come into the aspect of being true with your parents?
1: So much. Like I have specific memories and I remember telling people this. And I was like, I want to come out, but I don't want my siblings to think that it's okay. Like I'm the example. I'm the oldest of six. Okay. So I've four younger brothers and a little sister and my littlest, my little sister, who's the youngest, she's only five, but at this time she was four. Right. So like lots of like still developing. And I was so nervous that I didn't want them to think that just because I did something, it was okay for them. And I think that that was a lot of like internalized homophobia speaking, right? Like I could say, like, anyone else could come out and I'd be like, yes, please do it. Like, I'd be so, like, psyched for them, right? But when it was me, I didn't want my siblings to think that, oh, if I thought this way or if I was directly opposing, like, church doctrine and policy, that I didn't want them to think that that was okay, if that makes sense.
0: The wild thing is it does make sense, but it makes no sense.
1: That's you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay,
0: so how are you and your
1: parents now? It's definitely been a process. I've been out for about maybe a little over a year and a half now at this point. I think something that my mom always said and still says is she feels like one of her spiritual gifts is a simple faith. And when I was younger, I really, really like was like, that is so cool. Because basically what she meant by that was when the church leaders say something, she does it she doesn't feel the need to question it she just feels like that's the direction that needs to go so an example she always gave was when the church came back and said oh you can only have like one piercing as a woman right and to her piercing. she was like one ear piercing. yeah one ear no piercing. other piercings yeah exactly and and when that came out she was like okay what the heck yeah and just like took out all her other piercings and never looked back and to her like that was the example she would always tell me is like I didn't have to question it. It's really easy. My church leaders asked me to, God asked me to, and it's not a big deal. And I move forward with that. And so I think me coming out like rocked her a little bit because now she had to consider that not everything was black and white. It wasn't, I follow it or I don't follow it. When the gray area becomes a person, it's harder for people to know what to do, I think. And I think that's the space we're in is... They're doing their best to educate themselves. Both my parents, they're they're really cute and they'll like send me podcasts that they've listened to or they've read books, right? But I think we're still in the space of none of us know what to do. None of us has a plan. No one knows how to move forward. And we're taking it a, each day, you know, one step at a time.
0: Okay. At the end of this interview, I'm gonna ask how your parents feel about BYU as an institution. But before okay. we get to that point. Hey fam, are you LGBTQ+, and looking to increase your impact on the world? Pride & Joy Foundation hosts two programs a year to help make that happen. Keynote Queers is a public speaking program just for our family, and Outright Authors is a path to publishing program for LGBTQ+, authors of nonfiction books. Both are designed to get your voice and your power into our world. Check them out on our website or in the show notes, out of curiosity, Dot .com. Let's lay again some groundwork for our audience. BYU has a specific rule around being LGBTQ+. Will you translate that rule for us?
1: Yeah, essentially so the honor code is the set of rules that all the students are supposed to follow and it helps them be I guess an honorable and virtuous student is the thought. And in that is what they have same sex attraction. That's like the section it's under I think. And it says that well they changed it it used to say there's no um same-sex dating or homosexual behavior right now what it says is same-sex like attraction or like homosexual behavior can't lead to eternal marriage and therefore doesn't fall underline with the honor code guidelines that's what we're given
0: if the honor code office determined that you were not abiding by that interestingly worded rule what would be the ramification
1: i think it depends on who you talk to and this is actually interesting because i just had a talk with the honor code not for me but so that i could go and understand what it looks like if you are reported and from what i understand it's it's at the beginning it's a warning right you're not going to be immediately expelled or suspended it's when things stack up if you're like oh i'm dating I'm um, saying someone it, like it's a it's a homosexual relationship and I'm having sex and this that's when it starts getting a little bit unclear as to what direction the honor code will take but as far as I like am understanding and I could be wrong but this is what I understand is if you're just reported for just having like participating in homosexual behavior as they say then it will be a warning depending on how severe it is It's not super clear. I think it depends a little bit on the situation and the person, which is hard. But that's how I understand it.
0: I'm taking a minute to recognize the fact that like, my body is responding to this in like intense ways. (laughs) Like this is, you are my kid's age. Like you are, you are in the fire. Um, So let's focus on that. How do you feel about attending a university that has that rule and those consequences?
1: I think it's important to recognize that it's hard. Like, I don't think I ever want to downplay the seriousness of it sometimes, right? Yeah, honestly, like, it's just hard. It's hard, and it takes a lot of strength to not turn this into an us versus them situation, but to see them as people people doing their best under an institution and a religion that isn't always designed to support people like us. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's hard. It can be as simple Mm -hmm. and as complicated as that. Yeah. So I would like to address the, the question that most people have, which is, why would you be at BYU? And so let me answer with how I what I tell people, and then please fill in with your own information. Sure. So, These kids often know that they're LGBTQ+, know that this rule exists and still choose to go to BYU. And there's a lot of different reasons. One can be that it's such a family or cultural tradition that some parents will not help support your education unless you are going to BYU or another church-sponsored school. Again, even if finances aren't even a part of it, just having that cultural and familial expectation that if you can get into BYU, you're kind of expected to go. But there's also, let's be like really clear, Mormons are a, and they say this themselves, a peculiar people. Like people don't get you the way that other Mormons get you, no matter where you are in your belief spectrum. And so I can imagine the amount of support, like really deeply authentic support that comes from other queer Mormon students. And I see you organizing that in an absolutely incredible way. But before we go into that, would you add anything else as to why someone like you would choose to go to BYU?
1: Yeah, I think huge part finances, right? Like you said, some people, it's their parents won't pay for their college. For me, it's my parents aren't paying for any of my college so in order for me to afford college in a smart way without a lot of debt i had to choose a college that is cheaper and because it's subsidized for um members like that was huge to me and that impacted my decision a lot and um, the other thing is is BYU despite all of its weird policies and and stuff they do like they have a really good education system for the most part like they are well known for having like good professors and when you come out with that degree Like, I don't think a lot of people argue that you're not getting a good education, even if it has a few little quirks in it. Right. So I think that was important to me because my major um, is like known as like a good one here. So I think that was important. And yeah, I think this one, it might. I don't know if this reaches out to other people or if they if anyone's ever thought this. But I was worried that my parents I don't want my parents to worry about me. I'm an independent person and I really wanted them to feel like they could relax, especially after coming out to them, because I was always like, the perfect oldest child. So they never had to worry, I don't feel like. And when I came out to them, I think they had a lot of worry. And so I just wanted to like, I don't know, put them at ease, like know I'm headed to a church school, and I guess make them proud. Yeah,
0: yeah, we all want to feel that that our parents are proud of us no matter who we are or how we identify, mm-hmm. we, we all have that need. I appreciate that. I do have a question though, like talking about how it's a good school. It's well-regarded. I want to ask this question to my kids and I can't. And so I'm going to ask it to you. Okay. Frankly. Yeah. How do you feel about the fact that BYU is going to be on your resume for the rest of your life?
1: That's That's definitely something I considered because we do have a lot of People reach out and like. I, I guess I've heard recently a lot of students who are trying to get into grad schools, and these interviewers will point blank ask them, "Like, why are you at BYU? Are you homophobic? Are you racist? Are you sexist?" Like, this is this is now what BYU. Yeah, this is what they're being looked at for now. And yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's, yeah, it's a little bit embarrassing, and I am worried about how it will come up. But at the same time, I think if I can come back and explain, like, this is. This is a place where I felt like I could continue my growth. And also, I know we haven't talked about this, but I'm part of Rainbow Collective. So activism is an important part of my life right now. And in this space, like a lot of activism is needed. And so I'm just hoping that like people will take the time to know me and not stereotype me just because I might be Mormon or because I went to BYU and instead listen to my story. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's definitely gonna differentiate you. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And and you
0: have a really great way to leverage that into something that's positive, right? Yeah. That differentiation to be positive and valuable instead of hurting against you, working against you, which I love that. Right. And yes, that's definitely the what I'm hearing as well. So when I'm not working for Pride and Joy Foundation, I run an HR consulting business. Okay.
1: Yeah. And what
0: I'm hearing from corporate is these are potential lawsuits. If we hire people that come from a community that is homophobic, transphobic, racist, misogynist, we are inviting a, an employment lawsuit into our company. Yes. And so we've decided to stop recruiting there, which is intense for a mom of two kids that are going there to get a career.
1: Right. So I'm sure. Career, right. And do you
0: hear that conversation on campus at all?
1: No, I as far as I know, like people... Well, maybe I'm not in the right spaces, but I don't think people realize that that's what BYU is being viewed as now. Because we've had lots of companies come to us and say, like, hey, like, we don't want to recruit from greater BYU anymore. We want to specifically hire queer students at these schools because we know that they're resilient and that they carry that little bit of nuance that we want in our companies.
0: Holy cow. Oh my goodness, that blows my mind a little bit. That brings nuance to the conversation. It is a little disappointing to hear that. Like, for example, I used to work for the office that brought in those recruiters, right? I used to organize the interviews that happened at the Tanner Building with the business schools. Okay, Like, is any of that staff talking about the fact that the number of companies recruiting has gone down by a lot? Like, how's the Daily Universe, the student newspaper, not reporting on that fact. You know what I mean?
1: Like, yeah, for reals. Whew.
0: Okay. So let's talk about that activism. What is rainbow collective and what's happening with the queer student community at BYU?
1: Yeah. So rainbow collective is a nonprofit um, based out of Provo. And our, our main thing is we believe that people deserve to belong. They deserve a space at the table and we believe in just deep kindness right that we're not always shown and so we connect queer byu students to resources we're kind of like a signpost per se so like let's say you need subsidized therapy right we've got flourish and celebrate or you need funds to transfer out of byu because you no longer feel safe right you got the out foundation you need just a community we throw events right so we really do our best to be like, there is there is a community waiting for you that supports you outside of BYU. How can we help you wherever you are spiritually, physically, right, mentally in the space you are right now? How can we help?
0: That's so great that BYU administration allows that kind of organization to exist on campus and reach out to students. That's what happens, right?
1: Uh, you would hope. No, actually, we are not sanctioned. <laughs> we are our own thing and we do our very best and actually right now i am in the middle of meeting with um byu administration all over campus and the success rate is a little bit lower than hoped. actually i get a lot of emails saying no thanks i would not like to meet with you it is what it is how do you reach the students how do how did they know that you exist So a lot of it is through social media, right? That's how a lot of the queer community connects. So we do a lot of that. We do a lot of, when we have events, we do a lot of flyers. We do our best to reach out to students just by word of mouth. And I think that the queer community at BYU is now so tight because we've had to be that we all know each other. And so word spreads really fast. And we just, yeah, do our best. It's a lot of social media, to be honest. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, that's that's the way we do it now, right? All right. grassroots yeah. movements have to have a presence there. and I'm so glad you have a presence there. And that is how we found each other. But before I go to that story, I feel like you recently had a campus day that was inclusive. How did that go? Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, Rainbow Day. So what Rainbow Day is, is it's a little bit of a... I think what we say now is celebration, but also a little bit of a memorial towards when the honor code was changed back in 2020, which was when they took out the whole like same-sex attraction section of the honor code and everyone thought, oh, that's no longer a rule. We can do what we want for two weeks before they clarified it and said, actually, no, like homosexual behavior is not allowed. And so every year on March 4th, students on campus and allies across like the world basically wear rainbow in support of students at CES schools. And Rainbow Collective goes and sits out on really close to BYU property, but not on BYU property. And we hand out rainbow stuff and we wear our rainbows. And in the past, the Y on the mountain has been lit in rainbow colors. And it's it's really cool to see.
0: You touched briefly on an event that happened in 2020 where, and I'll just restate really quickly, the honored code, Administration went on record as saying that that section of the honor code had been changed and that same sex attraction behavior was no longer explicitly against the honor code. And what I witnessed being a state away and adjacent to the community, to the BYU community, was Mm -hmm. so many people coming out and. Taking pictures with their partner kissing on BYU campus. And there were staff that came out and there were professors that came out. And it was such a celebratory moment. And two weeks later, it was revoked. And from my perspective, again, it felt like a trap. It felt like manipulation. What did it feel like on campus?
1: Yeah, so I wasn't on campus, but I was watching from social media. I think. I think you nailed it, right? Like, I think people came out thinking that they were safe finally, only to have that torn away. And I think it it hit. And and several years later, it is still hitting, right? When I, like, think about what we were doing yesterday and on Friday, the, the fact that everyone had to go back in the closet and also worry about what they had said in those two weeks and that it wasn't what they thought it was, is sad, and it's lonely, and I wish it didn't have to happen.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah, that's valid. Not long afterwards, there was an event that happened around new student orientation, and when it happened, it felt so reminiscent of those exact same feelings. Can you explain that situation and and how it was felt on campus?
1: Yeah, so Rainbow Collective, along with a few other organizations like Cougar Pride Center, um, USGA, The Out Foundation, Equality Utah, we all came together and we put together resource pamphlets. Any of these pamphlets, they have the resources that are provided around Provo area and also like events that were happening and like ways to get involved and that type of thing. And we, there are these small little pamphlets and we are planning on putting them in the packets that each student gets at New Student Orientation. Because we were like, this is how we're going to support the queer students. They don't have to come in feeling alone. And we went to them and said, we, can, we, can we put these in? And they said, no. And we said, what if we pay for an ad space? Because other companies do that. Other places do that. And they said, okay, yeah, yeah, we will let you pay for this. And so we signed a contract. We printed out thousands and thousands of these pamphlets. It spent tons and tons of hours like folding them and cutting them out had them all ready to go. And I think it was the day before new student orientation started. We found out from a third party that they were just being taken out and thrown away, which obviously broke our contract with BYU. And it was frustrating and a little bit of a moment of panic because all of our stuff is being thrown away. Right. And they're not going in the places they should be. Yeah. And, And like you said, a little bit reminded us of when the honor code changed. It's It's lonely, and we wish that we had the support of the university, and especially in something that we felt like was not against anybody, but just for everybody, right? We weren't bashing BYU. We weren't going against any of their rules. We were simply making sure that people knew that they had opportunities to feel like they belonged, and so when those were taken out, it was was definitely hard, and we're still giving them out today to people when they ask, and we'll give them out at our events. But ultimately, they did not end up in the new student orientation packets like we had hoped.
0: Did BYU give
1: you your money back? Um, They did. They did refund us. But honestly, it wasn't about the money. And it yeah. wasn't about the time we had put in. It, we, it we were bigger. grateful. We got, Yeah, right. We were grateful um, that we got that back. And yeah, I think it was about the message it sent to us, right? We had thought we had made, at least I thought we had made all this progress right? I had been watching and things are a lot different. They've been changing. The culture at BYU has been changing um, over the last few years. And so I felt like I could come here and at least be okay, like survive, not like, feel like I was being attacked on a daily basis. But on day three, these pamphlets were taken out. And the message it sent was, you're not welcome. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're not seen. Right. Right. And we go back to that message of when we can be seen, it lends itself so much to our mental health. And it's hard to not feel like this is a tactic to break down our mental health, to to not allow us to be seen or included, like you said. How do you feel about leading such an incredible, I don't want to say fight, but it really is. You're leading this massive organization to create Lasting
1: impact in a huge community. How is that going? Um, I would be lying if I didn't say I wasn't nervous. I often feel unqualified at 19 years old to be running a nonprofit. I <laughs> um, but I am so grateful for the opportunities I've had in this space and that I am able to have a voice and to help others. Wow. Okay,
0: so part of what Rainbow Collective does is these social events that connect Mm -hmm. others, right? We all know the importance of community and connecting, and that was part of the challenge with COVID was our inability to do that, right? And so now you're all there, you're all on campus, you get to have these activities now. Something that our audience might not understand about BYU is that it's very focused on dating and marriage, By the time you graduate, if you're not married, that's, it literally says something about you. You know, if you're not engaged or getting married, right, like, and you're graduating, yeah, it communicates something to the rest of your community. So I just cannot even forget all of the, like, student secretaries and student staff that I had there. And it didn't matter their gender, It didn't matter their economic status. Nothing was more important than going on dates and pursuing a relationship to see if this is the person I'm going to spend eternity with. And if I have a final tomorrow, too bad, so sad. If I have a shift next week that I got to get covered by someone else, that's what I'm going to do. Because the number one priority is finding that eternal companion. What is it like to be queer in a community like that?
1: Yeah, it's a a little wild. I think it comes up in weird ways. Just, yeah, people that I know that are going on dates, like, every single night of a week, right? Like, that is insane to me. Like, does that happen outside of you? I don't know. No, it does not. No one has time for that. Yeah, and, like, different people each night, too. I'm like, who is going on that many dates? Like, I don't know. It's crazy. Good for them, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And also like, even just like you, you could say it's a cultural thing and it is, but the fact that we have a, like an eternal families, like required course to graduate eternal families, like that's insane. Like we have a whole class dedicated to dating and getting married and, and moving on in that way.
0: I had totally forgotten about that. Yeah. Because Let's be clear: when the Mormon Church says "eternal family," that is a husband and wife. Period. Well, possibly a husband and multiple wives, but a husband and wife. What area you're in? (laughs) Well, and the fact that men can get sealed in the temple to as many women as they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. So, Gracie, do you date?
1: Do I date? I have Uh been on dates with guys. Yes, because. Honestly, I feel bad. Like, I'm happy to, like, go out on one date with you. I'm not trying to lead anyone on, Um, but it takes a lot of courage to ask someone out. If I was, if I was asking someone out, I would feel bad uh, if someone said no. So, I've been on dates. I've said yes to dates. Do I ever let them get them further than one date? No. Is that probably mean? I don't know. I feel bad saying no. <laughs> you are blowing my mind. <laughs> Uh, that's probably bad. That's probably not like super ethical to be like, yes, I'll go on a date with you, knowing I'm not attracted to them. But I also just like, it's important like to for them to know that like I'm not against them, and I also don't want them to feel bad if I do say no. And then me having to explain to them like some of these people might not be safe for me to come out to. So what do I say? Like, no, I'm not going to date on you because of like what? Right? Like, it's it's like a lot of times it's not them. It's just that they're not women so yeah like how do you explain that to someone that might not be a safe space or like i don't want to embarrass them
0: okay and that is an issue that exists universally outside of program yeah. the mormon church oh, for right? sure. like we as women have to take into account every single time a guy hits on us if yeah. it is safe to be very very clear as we would want someone to be with us right right like, we would yeah. appreciate someone being really upfront with us But oftentimes, it is not safe for us to do that. It is shocking the reaction that you get from some men. It's not like, oh, cool, right? Like for some men, that is an ultimate trigger that we have uh, refused them as an entire gender. And that they take that very personally. And the rage that you can see in their eyes is a little bit shocking. So that's definitely out there for sure but I can I can understand why the thing is is that at any other school you wouldn't be saying no to that many dates you know what I mean like no, I no. went to Arizona State I think I got asked on the date like maybe four or five times like it just doesn't happen that often yeah.
1: but in your environment it really
0: does I yeah
1: mean, so much yeah and luckily less in the last few months I don't know if I just like give off more gay as I get like go more activist people just are like no thanks and that's fine with me but at the beginning for sure yeah I mean how often like in a typical school day how often
0: are you kind of biting your tongue like so many issues come up that they're not even realizing how they sound when they say those words right yeah Fascinating. Okay, so are you going on any queer dates? Have you asked anyone? Are people asking you? Like, what is that like?
1: Um, No, because it is important to me to stay within good standing at this school. And I think that dating here would not only put myself at risk, but also put everything I've worked for at risk. And especially as um, the new president of Rainbow Collective it's important to me to be able to form good working relationships with BYU, and I think that that's something that would put that at risk.
0: Do you foresee being president of Rainbow Collective your entire time there, or do you are you looking at this as like, okay, I'm going to put my year in, and then I won't be really the representative of the whole community to the administration?
1: So the idea is a minimum of a year. I mean, it's it's hard to know what it'll look like, but... I can't imagine stepping outside of this space for the foreseeable future. When I do graduate and I pass it on, I would love to still be involved in activism. Um, Rainbow Collective has a board full of students that have graduated and have moved on from like on-campus activities but are there to help and support. And hopefully that's where I end up. Yeah,
0: I hope so too. I have to say again, from a mom perspective, if you were my kiddo and you were like, I'm going to spend my college years not dating. That would be really hard for me to hear.
1: Yeah. Because it is
0: an important part of our identity, right? It's for you to date would literally be an act of revolution. And so I absolutely understand why you don't. I really do. So from that that perspective, let's go back to your parents. How are they okay. feeling now about you being at BYU as an out queer person?
1: I think they are very excited that I'm at a church school where, and I might be speaking for them. I guess I don't know this for sure, but if I were them, I'd be excited because I'm a little bit out of like, I don't know if you would say like bad influences, like where if I went to a different school, like I would be like able to do a lot more that maybe doesn't fall in line with the standards that they hope I'd stay in. So from that point of view, I think they're really excited that I'm able to stay in this culture and stay within church boundaries. I don't know how they feel about my activism. I know they're very proud that I am putting in hard work and they recognize that I am helping a lot of people and also helping myself. I couldn't tell you exactly how they feel about the activism itself. And I don't wow. know if they know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's complicated. It is mm-hmm. anything but simple. Absolutely. Right. Do they feel like you're safe
1: there? I don't know. I think...
0: Like, that was a huge reason why you went, right? Because you wanted them to feel like that you're safe.
1: What do you think I- now? Yeah. I think they thought that. I don't know if they still do, because of what I share with them what my life is like here. Sometimes, I think it a little bit makes them nervous. But I don't think that they have a fear that the institution or the church is going to hurt me unjustly. I think their fear is going to be like, how is it affecting my mental health? How is the community reacting to my activism? Right? Like, When we look back at back to school pride, like there were strong reactions and scary reactions. And so I think more than that, they're worried about other people, not necessarily like how religion or BYU is is impacting here. That
0: makes sense. I'm worried about your mental health. I'll just say that
1: like well i'm doing my best
0: i know you really are you're killing it you're absolutely killing it is there affirming mental health support on campus or do you do you if you were seeking that out would you need to find like flourish or one of those other organizations
1: yeah they have caps which is what UIU's like therapy center is they do have groups that meet like group therapy for like same-sex attracted people is i think what they label it as And you are able to go meet with a therapist and talk with them about that. This is my personal opinion and no shade on BYU. I have a hard time trusting people who are employed by BYU because I know that there is only so much they can do. And I also know under HIPAA and ethics codes, they can't say anything. But I just, I'm cautious. I'm cautious to a fault, right? So I'm in therapy. Um, And I actually I go to celebrate and I love them. They're incredible. But there are resources on campus and I know students who go and they find it works for them. I don't think it would work for me, especially in the space I am, how high I am up in activism.
0: I will never forget an integral part of my story was that we were. At BYU, my husband mm-hmm. was going to school. We had already had one kid because that's what you do, right? right. And we lived in Wymount, which is the okay. one of the married student housing places because there's tons of married students with kids, right? And so they provide a, a really cheap <laughs> and affordable place to live near campus. Yep. <laughs> and I was really struggling. I was really struggling in our marriage. And our bishop said, you know what, you can get free counseling, because it was quickly determined that it was a me problem, not a we problem. Right. And so um Bishop said, free counseling on campus, go get it. And so I signed up, and it was a student therapist, essentially, who was okay. being right supervised by someone else. And I probably went for six months and we could never really get down to the heart of it. Nothing really changed. And I think about that young student therapist often because I've doing a lot of therapy now. <laughs> and it's very clear that how a non-biased therapist would have responded to what I brought to the table would have been like, Okay, well, let's talk about what who you've been attracted to in the past. Let's talk about what you like in intimacy, right. and the response would have been, "I don't know because I'm not allowed to masturbate," right? right. And that poor student therapist couldn't even go there, right? Didn't go anywhere close to that, and therefore could not help me at all. And so when we talk about me not coming out until I'm thirty-eight years old with four kids after seventeen-year marriage. Right. There's, there's a reason Mm -hmm. because my community didn't, my community and its culture did not have space for that conversation in a very intentional way.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm so grateful that you know who you are at this age. I feel like you have (laughs) this massive head start, which I love. Do you feel like that? Or is, what is your perspective of that?
1: Yeah. I don't, I think I've just been really blessed to be in spaces where I'm able to find what is important to me and grow that. Yeah.
0: And your identity is important to you.
1: Yeah. Huge, huge part of me. Like they always say, like don't make it all of you, right? Like don't, don't make your uh, orientation, everything. But if I had to throw out like how important it is to me, like it's right next to like my relationship with God, like right there next to it. I think it's, when you, when you talk about your identity in the church too, like, they're like, oh, you're a child of God. And like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a lesbian. I'm a gay woman. Like that's important to me. That's impacted my experiences and has led me to where I am today. So how could I say it's not important?
0: Absolutely. And let's talk about that. How is your relationship with God?
1: It depends on the day, but not because he's abandoned me or because i've ever felt like he's not doing what's best for me but because i sometimes question whether the the mormon god is the one that i believe in or that i want to believe in i i want to believe in and i do believe in a god that is big enough for everyone and big enough for me and big enough to hold all the nuances that the world has and and not fit him in a box that sometimes we do when we're talking in religion and especially in Mormonism. I feel like sometimes we, we talk about God and say, well, he likes this. He does this. He thinks this. Well, like, how do you know that? Like you're speaking to the general public. I'm super glad that you're able to find that, but anything that I firmly stand on with God has been delivered through personal revelation and what he's told me. So yeah, it's, it's shaky some days, but I, I think I'm not having a crisis of faith. I am having a crisis of trust in institutions that are supposed to build my faith.
0: I love that distinction. I know when people ask me that question, when I'm being um, interviewed on podcasts like this, for me, it is my spirituality is deeper than it has ever been. Yeah. my religious practice is non-existent. And and those don't have to be mutually exclusive. There's nuance yeah, yeah. to both of those, right? And I love that. Yeah. So I remember when I was active, and I believe it was 2015, maybe 17, when I was a believing, actively working Mormon member, there was a policy that was passed that it was actually leaked to the public first, and then it was broadcast officially. That children of LGBTQ plus parents could not be baptized and could not go on a mission. And that rocked the world for a lot of people. And it didn't for me because of course, like my, or I was so not aware of anything about myself. Um, but I also jumped through these mental gymnastic hoops of, Well, that's best for the children. We wouldn't want children of gay parents to be baptized because then we'd be expecting them to believe that their parents are not going to go to heaven. And that causes this dissonance. Right. And so why would we want to do that to kids? And so I justified and justified and justified why the leadership would have done that. And then we lost thousands of lives as a repercussion of that rule, because that was very clearly telling the membership that this is not okay. And I remember before that rule was rolled back and it was Mm -hmm. with no accountability to the lives that it had harmed. But before it was rolled back, my youngest was about to turn eight. I was just coming to grips with who I was. And I decided I cannot come out yet because she needs to get baptized. I was still there. Like I, I wasn't going to be the reason that my daughter couldn't get into heaven. That's what I told myself, right? And now I have some distance and I have some objectivity. And of course I realize that had nothing to do with me, right? Like whether my daughter is in heaven, right? Like that's all, that's all a thing. But what I'm watching now play out in real time is the members of the Mormon church, the believing members jumping through the same hoops when the story broke last week that the Mormon church had paid $32 billion worth of tithing income from the IRS and not pay taxes on it. $32 billion. And I'm watching the members jump through some more hoops. Let's justify, justify, justify why this is okay. What are you seeing happen on BYU campus on that topic?
1: I guess I haven't seen a a lot of talk and especially not in my classes. It's never come up, but I think you're correct in saying that I would say most of them are justifying it. They're saying religious freedom or whatever they might claim. And I think it should, I think it should rock people in the same way that the other policy change rocked people. I think that it's important to recognize that sometimes we like as institutions and religions have failings. And I, and I wish there were apologies with those failings. And I wish that we didn't justify as, as a people and as members justify it, because sometimes wrong is just wrong.
0: It sure is. It sure is. Wow. Wow. We went a lot of places and our time is up, but crazy wow okay i have one last question two last questions first i'm going to ask how can our audience like reach out and how can they support and how can they connect what are the best avenues
1: so we have our instagram that's where we're most active it's rainbow with a y dot collective um that's our instagram we also have a twitter that's the same and um if you look us up on facebook and then our website is rainbowcollective.org and that's where you can find all of our events all of our information about us If you're so inclined, we have donation spots or ways to volunteer. But yeah, that's where you can find us. And it's, yeah, it's rainbow with a Y.
0: Rainbow with a Y, Collective. We will definitely have the links in the show notes. And now Mm -hmm. for the last question. Gracie, if you could speak to the you of five years ago, what would you say to her?
1: I would say it's okay. And maybe that's all that would need to be said because I think explaining all the reasons why it would be okay would be a waste because I think it was important for me to discover all those reasons myself and not be told why it's okay, but to find it. but to know that there is a place for me and that I can help make a place for others and to just strengthen my belief in shared humanity it was important and is important so yeah, I just I would five years like if five years in the past I would tell her. It's, it's okay, and it's going to be okay.
0: Beautiful. And let me speak for a future you and tell you it's okay. Whatever the battles you're fighting today, it's, it's okay, and it's going to be okay. Thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah. We are so excited to promote this episode and get the word out about Rainbow Collective. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, there you have it. Gracie Purcell, my friends. What a story. What a life she is creating for herself. All right, so tell me, what struck you in this interview? What aha moments did you have? For me, I think one that stands out was realizing how incredible it is to be seen, especially by those closest to you. Truly seen, and then affirmed, and then protected. It's so vitally important to find that for ourselves and to provide that for others. I'm not going to lie, as a mom of kids her age, it was hard to hear about some of the things that she's experiencing. I want her college years to be full of some of the romance and joy that comes from living your life to the fullest before you get tied down with a career and kids and all the rest of it, Right. I want the administration to see an email from this obviously brilliant young woman and be eager to meet with her instead of refusing to acknowledge her based on her identity. All right, the links to connect with Rainbow Collective are in our show notes. Get to know them and the work they are doing to protect our next generation of queer leaders. I love following Gracie online. Strongly recommend, 10 out of 10. This is really an incredible episode to share with your community. It's a unique take and a unique story on an age-old tale. There are a lot of parents and a lot of current students that need to hear this story. Please subscribe and share it on your social media because you never know how far it will go. I am your host, Elena Joy, and thank you for being with us today. Until next time, be good to yourselves, fam.
1: I appreciate you.